Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Nothing About You Says Computer Technology, a podcast about cybersecurity and data privacy viewed through the lens of diverse voices. I'm your host, Anthony, a cybersecurity, data privacy, and regulatory attorney based in Oklahoma City. While I am a lawyer, I am not your lawyer, and this podcast should not be considered legal advice. Instead, think of this as a conversation between friends. But if you need legal advice, please, please, please find a local attorney that can help you. Today, we have another amazing episode. I interviewed Juby Vilsius, the managing partner of Yellowtail. We had a chat about his journey to IT, his work at Yellowtail, training the next generation of IT professionals, and diversity in tech. I hope you enjoy our conversation. We are super excited to have Juby Velskias, uh, the managing partner of Yellowtail, an ed tech company here today. Juby is an IT professional and business leader who helps people with non-technical backgrounds pivot into a career in technology. Thank you so much for joining the show today. I know I just gave you a very, very brief introduction, but could you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yes, thanks, Anthony, for having me. Yeah, um, well, you did a good job introducing me. So I've been in the industry for about 15 years now, but I've been uh, helping people break into IT for about eight years. So what I do on a day-to-day is uh, build curriculum, figure out new ways to support people with no IT background, navigate their way into this industry. Because what I've noticed is that uh, people who look like me have a, a more difficult issue when it comes to breaking into the industry. So my, my day is filled with figuring out um, how to best help people break into the industry. I want to talk a little bit about your origin story. I find it interesting that you received a degree in management information systems, uh, but that didn't get you actually into your career. You also had to teach yourself Linux. Uh, so you kind of have the two types of experiences and backgrounds uh, that I often see when I talk to technology professionals and cybersecurity professionals, a college degree and some self-taught background. So I have a three-part question for you. Could you talk to us about how you became interested in IT and then the role your degree played in helping your career, and then finally the importance of having to have taught yourself new skills. So I got in IT by accident. Uh, I was going to uh, school for management, uh, simply management, and then my friend told me about this new trendy degree that's called management information system that basically combines business management and information system management, and I. And I looked into it, I, I found it to be a little more exciting than what I was going for. And I decided to go there, uh, to go in that direction. And after my degree, I realized that I don't have any specific set of skills that I'm, I can just go to the market and offer. Uh, I had a degree, I, I had, a, you know, I knew a lot about a lot of topics but I couldn't show up to a, uh, to a job and say, okay, from day one, this is what I can help you solve. And I was talking to a friend and uh, they told me about Linux. I knew about Linux very vaguely. I've studied that in school, but not in depth enough to be able to do anything about it. So once, once I heard that, I reached out to my first mentor, Jonas Okwara, who trained me in Linux. 
And then within months, I had a market value of $90,000 at the time, which to me was amazing. And I was like, no one in school and all my years of schooling didn't tell me about this avenue. And I realized that it was what they call an open secret. There was a lot of jobs, a, a big shortage of people with that particular skills, but no one was talking about it. No one knew how to navigate it. And then I decided to make it my business to help people get into this industry and uh, break into IT in general. So let's talk about that transition that you mentioned briefly. Uh, let's talk about how you transitioned from working in corporate IT to starting uh, Yellowtail. Uh, why did you make that move to teaching others how to get into the technology field? Yes. First, I didn't make the move overnight. I was helping people. I was helping family members uh, uh, with learning about Linux. I was always evangelizing people about Linux. And then um, as I understood that I could really help people, I started very slow, very small. And then we started building traction and building interest. And um, very quickly, I made it my full-time business. But it wasn't something that I just quit and drop everything and say, hey, I'm, I'm going to jump into the business of IT. So I want to just talk with you and maybe you can just kind of walk us through what you do at Yellowtail. And, and then how do you train people who have non-technical backgrounds, uh, the skills that they need to be successful in the industry? Yes, um, that's very that's a very interesting question, because um, this is what I as often as possible, I try to remind um, my team is that we are in a very a unique business where we always have to think about the customer and the customer is someone with no IT background. And what that also means is that the way we design our curriculums are different. Uh, um, the way uh, what we put in our curriculum in terms of um, emphasis on fundamentals, uh, understanding um, that people with no IT background will need a little bit more time. So you're going to notice that our program are slightly longer and uh, they uh, they are at a slower pace. Uh, we're going to notice that our program spend a lot of time building that foundational knowledge that most other boot camp don't have because they are not catering to people uh, with no IT background. So um, we just try to keep uh, our customer uh, who is an, uh, a person with no IT background as our North Star. Everything we do, we ask ourselves one question is it gonna help someone with absolutely no it background succeed so that's that's how we build everything our offering that's how we uh, train our, our our team and that's our business there are a lot of people who want to pivot into a career in technology uh, that don't feel like they are even the type of person that can work in this field uh, so they don't even sign up for programs like yours uh, could you talk about some of the non-technical skills that help people become successful in learning and entering into uh, the tech field? Yes, a lot of people um, underestimate the skills they have. They don't realize that a lot of, of the skills that they have are very transferable in a technical environment. For example, how resourceful are you? Uh, your project management skill, your people skills, your uh, research skills. Uh, all these are things that are needed 
that that are in short supply in the IT industry that are they uh, that they are looking for. So um, I, I tell people don't sell yourself short. Um, you have a lot to offer that uh, the the industry needs. It's not only about the technical part because that you can learn. It's also um, the uh, the non technical that you already have because don't forget. Anthony, we focus on people who had a career already, who are just pivoting uh, into IT. So these skills, um, those skills uh, they have that are non-technical are very much transferable. One of the, the debates that come up over and over again, a lot of times on Twitter, is the value of a college degree versus a certificate as a way to get into the technology field. Can you kind of give us your thoughts on that as someone who has a degree a uh, college degree, but also uh, was someone who's self-taught and is currently teaching people how to get into the tech field? Yes. As someone who has a degree in the uh, uh, industry, I know for, uh, at least now, probably not 10 years ago, you don't need an, uh, 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 a degree, a four-year degree or a master's to get into the industry. It was true 10 or 20, uh, 15 years ago, maybe. But now it's about the specific skill. And the reason why, it's because the industry is so um, fragmented. Uh, there are so many niches that no degree w- would be able to actually train you for what you'll be doing on a day-to-day. So um, if you, also, a lot of people have a degree, but they don't have a degree in this industry. So uh, that doesn't... Uh, that really doesn't help you because a lot of big companies, they are dropping that requirement. A lot of, uh, for example, Maryland, I just read that, uh, the, the state of Maryland uh, decided to drop um, the requirement of having a degree for a lot of jobs, including uh, 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 IT jobs, because they realized that this is not uh, a relevant requirement anymore. It's about what value you can bring to the team. It's about what you do, what you know how to do, and how you can support the team. We've all seen the horror stories on social media about people going to um, unreputable training programs to kind of get jobs in the technology field. What should people be looking for and asking questions about when they try to select a boot camp or a training program to get into the technology field? Well, um, what they should I think before looking at the record of the training bootcamp, you have to also understand why are you going into this? Because a lot of the stories, and I can tell you, it's it's a result of also the student not sure, not being sure of why they went into the, the program. Because it doesn't matter how great a program is, if you don't put in the required work, it won't work. And we have to be careful because a lot of people who get in, who try to get into this industry, they bring everything and everyone else than themselves for their failure. So we have to be careful. We have to talk about this. Um, yes, it's important to look at the track record of uh, the boot camp, understand what they've been able to accomplish in terms of results. But we have to ask ourselves, why are we getting into this? Are we really excited about this? Uh, a new uh, career is it for me because it's 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 a type of job where you're going to be alone a lot of time with your computer you're going to have to do a lot of research you have to understand if this is the the type of work for you because 
to me, uh, from my research, from um, what I've seen um, around me, a lot of failure comes from people losing steam, not necessarily because of only the value of the program, although that's very important. So we have to make sure, that's why we have an interview with everything, everybody interested in the program to understand their motivation. Because you can uh, build a world-class program, but if the person comes in with, uh, without the right um, motivation, they won't be able to, to succeed. So do your research, yes, about the program you're gonna be entering, understand what they offer, understand their track record, but also ask yourself the hard questions. Why are you doing this? Is it the, uh, the kind of work you really want to, to be doing for, for, for the next 10 years? Because a lot of people only get attracted to this uh, industry because they hear you can make a lot of money and you can work from home. Uh, these two are not enough to keep you going when things start getting getting rough. So ask yourself the right questions as well. Well, you mentioned this a little bit in your answer, how some of the things that Yellowtail does, the interview process with uh, potential students to kind of make sure that they're motivated and, and they're, they're ready to be part of this program. But what, what are some other things that Yellowtail does uh, for students who finish the program to make sure that they, one, have the skills necessary for the current job market, but two, make them desirable and help them get jobs in the tech field? So um, a few things we do. First of all, um, we all know that only having the technical uh, knowledge doesn't necessarily uh, um, translate into a job. So what we do is uh, we offer a lot of um, post-training support to actually help you translate your training into a job. That's why we call our program AWS for jobs and Linux for jobs. It's because um, we are not in the business of training. We're in the business of helping you turn training into a job. So uh, the first thing we do that's very different and that really helps um, solve the problem of uh, uh, the support people need is helping them get in, into an internship because there's a big catch 22 in the industry. You need a job to get the experience, but also you need the experience to get a job. So we try to help them break that uh, uh, catch 22. We have a very tight, world-class career support. And these two things really help us move people through the, the process because um, this is the only by the, the this is the only thing we measure were we able to help you get a job if the answer is no we failed it doesn't matter how great the program seems or doesn't matter how you enjoyed it if you weren't able to turn the actual um, training into a job we don't feel we've delivered what we promised so that's how we help in general I start every episode of this podcast, along with every cybersecurity or data privacy class that I teach, with a discussion of a cybersecurity or privacy issue in the news. Is there a story in the news that we should be keeping our eye on uh, in particular? Not, an, um, well, lately, what I've been um, note, uh, noting and a few stories I've seen is that a lot of people look at cybersecurity in the lens of 
people from foreign countries um, trying to break into systems. But they don't realize that most cybersecurity breaches are uh, human uh, 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 through human error, uh, through human uh, um, oversight. And uh, a lot of a lot of time, a cybersecurity breach happens because you volunteered, you've been tricked, or you've been convinced into volunteering some uh, a piece of data or some access you shouldn't have. So we have to also, as we talk about the technical part of cybersecurity, we have to always keep in mind that the biggest vulnerability is the human vulnerability, and all that you see. Because uh, I've seen, I've read so many stories where it's because of human error, human oversight, that those breaches were able to happen. So I, I want people to keep that in mind, that uh, cybersecurity breaches, uh, most of the time, they are very technical things you can't quite understand. But uh, a lot of time, it's just that um, people um, find ways to... Um, use and leverage those human vulnerabilities against big institutions. Absolutely. I think it's always important that we talk about the human element uh, of cybersecurity. And so that's a great point uh, and a great reminder for us. So there are so many articles and reports that talk about a workforce shortage in cybersecurity jobs and technology jobs. What should we be doing to fill this workforce shortage? Yes. uh, Like I said, I like I said to many people, with the amount of um, sh- people we need, especially in cloud computing, it doesn't matter if I train and get one new person ready a day, probably even 10 people a day, we won't be able to fill in that, short, that type of shortage we're seeing and also that's growing. As we speak now, there's about 50,000 job related to uh, uh, cloud cloud computing alone that's open in in, in the US. So to me, for us to really um, make a dent in that problem, it has to be on a nationwide US uh, um, federal government level for us to really address this issue. Because as individual boot camps, as we do this, uh, it, especially if it's not um, a consorted effort, it will do very little. It will help the market, but given the, the size of the demand and the, given how the demand is growing, we need something a little more um, organized uh, and we need it to, to happen at the government level. So hopefully um, that happens. Hopefully um, lawmakers realize that but it's not something that uh, individual boot camps can solve, unfortunately. So you mentioned the government, and so I'm going to just do a follow-up. What should the U.S. government be doing to help us fill in this gap in workers? What type of suggestions do you want to see from the U.S. government in tackling this issue? Um, I think they they should um, invest more in those um, uh, high school to trade school pipelines, I think um, they should um, look at other countries like Germany, where uh, the pipeline to technical uh, training is uh, more, it's it's more obvious and it's better funded. Um, And also they have to call um, all those boot camps doing the work of training people. 
they have to call them in to the discussion and uh, fund uh, these programs because training someone is not cheap. Um, I, like I said, uh, like I always say, my my training is not is not inexpensive. It's worth it, but it's not inexpensive. I think if it were more affordable, if if there were uh, easier way for for uh, students to be able to get trained at a lower cost, uh, at a subsidized cost from the government, that could help as well. Because a lot of people stay away from tra getting trained, stay away from the industry because of the uh, the cost of training. So one thing I, I I see that the government could do is fund those uh, um, private uh, uh, school private program that are doing the work already that understands how to do the work that understands where the demand is so there are many things we could do but to recap uh um incentivize uh high school to trade school uh pipeline pipelines and also um find a way to uh give boot camps um a quicker and simpler way to leverage um, vouchers for people to come and get their their, uh, their training. We talk a lot about diversity on this podcast uh, when it comes to addressing our cybersecurity issues, our workforce issues. Could you explain the importance of building a diverse workforce? Yes. Um, given the shortage, we can make it. Uh, uh, I can only make. I, I can make the argument only by saying that given the, the gap and the man we have, bringing in a, a new group of people into the conversation alone can make a big dent. That alone is a great argument. Basically, um, bringing women, bringing my, uh, uh, minorities, you know, African-Americans and uh, Latinx people, that alone can uh, make uh, 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 a big difference. So that's why uh, at Yellow Tail Tech, we, we make an effort to actually attract people um, um, of color and uh, women to actually try to bridge that gap. I think um, my, uh, um, bringing minority to the conversation only is only gonna add more color to, to the solution they are able to bring because everybody uh, uh, can contribute. And the way it's, it's best is that People with different background and experience can can offer new uh, perspective to any uh, any problem. So when you get to an environment where uh, most people working in that environment have similar background and experiences, you don't you you lose out on the diversity of um, uh, of solution you can um, you can have. Yeah, there, there are numerous studies and numerous reports that show that having a diverse workforce is good for the bottom line. Uh, yes, businesses yes. that have diverse uh, members make better decisions. Uh, they get better returns for their shareholders. And so I want to ask you, what things are you doing? Uh, because you mentioned that you were uh, trying to attract more women and more people of color to come and get training from Yellowtail. So what are some things that you're doing as a company to attract these types of candidates? Well, don't forget, I myself, I'm African-American. So by me being the face of the brand helps attract people that look like me. So that that's covered. <laughs> um, for women, we, we um, 
our co-founder is uh, um, female. So we try to uh, showcase how she's been able to pivot into this industry with a non-technical background and make sure not only we tell women that this is an industry that needs you, but show them what what's possible. Because people, they want to see someone that looks like them, that have similar experiences as them, uh, having having gone through the, the process. So we have uh, both of that in our company. So I think we are in a good place to really encourage and um, and build that diversity in our in our student body. That's a great message, and and part of the reason behind this podcast to be able to show people that um, even though you may not be a traditional person in this field, you belong. And, uh, you know, so that's one of the reasons why I put out this podcast. So I think that's a great uh, message that you hit on. Yes. Not only you belong, but you, your, the fact that you there alone adds color, adds value to the process. Absolutely. Absolutely. This has been a great conversation. Could you let people know uh, any upcoming conferences or any upcoming speaking events and where people can find you on the Internet? Yes, uh, we in about a week we are having um, a webinar called uh, "The Biggest Myth in IT." Um, the way to sign up for it is just by going on our website, yellowtel.tech, um, and um, check us out and see um, when exactly it's happening. Sign up and um, let's have a chat. Let's continue the conversation. Great. I'll even include that uh, link to that in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming and having this discussion with us. Thank you, Anthony, for having me.